Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Chef Sean Boucher, and I am ready to yak today. We are talking to Miss Keisha O'Galvez, who is a private chef in New York and who knows a thing or two about networking and about putting yourself out there and really branding yourself and becoming an entity, becoming someone who knows what they're doing and knows how to send that message to the world. So without further ado, let's get to know the Gourmet Diva. My name is Keisha Galdez. I'm the owner of Gourmet Diva Inc., a personal chef service in New York. Um, funny, the food business wasn't first on the top of my radar. You know, growing up, it's more of a second career, you know, for me. So, knowing, becoming a personal chef, I didn't, I never knew what one was, and if you heard about it, it seemed like something for the, you know, the rich and famous, you know, you heard about, you know, personal chef, like, ooh, you know, you know, what is that? It's such a, you know, mystery and air to it. But, um, I got into it pretty much starting, I was laid off with it um, about 2008, you know, switching into a new, you know, it was more of a new career and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was working in a Bank of America at the time, at the time as a consultant, and unfortunately the, the market pretty much tanked and a lot of us got laid off. And I always had interest in business and food and just always wanted to do something on my own. And at that time, I that was kind of a sign from the gods, you know, maybe you should actually take this time and figure out, you know, if you wanted to venture off into a business, maybe this really is the time, you know, to do it. So I sat back. Um, luckily, I did have a little, you know, saving cushion to really, you know, savings that I can actually take that time and liberty to figure out what I wanted to do. So I actually started baking. I used to, you know, bake all the time and I was like, let me see where this, you know, you know, takes me. So I started taking rum cakes and selling it to, you know, friends and everything, but not exactly knew, knowing what I wanted to do. But then more that people knew that I was cooking, I used to have these conversations with people around food, and it really, you know, started to people's eyes sparkles you know, when you talk about food and like seeing that happiness that um that came in people's eyes and started talking more about health concerns and you know what people ate and. All these conversations kept coming up, and I really didn't realize the connection between what we ate and, you know, how we felt and how much that's such a driver in our lives. So about a year, you know, tinkering and touring, touring around, I decided to go to culinary school. Um, a lot of questions kept coming up, like how to cook things, and, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm not, you know, 18 years old, I'm not going, you know, to a full-fledged program, so maybe I'll just take a couple of months and, you know, and learned all my skills in, in the kitchen. So for me, I went to the National Gourmet Institute in New York City. I was in Boston at the time, so I you know, moved back home to New York. So I wanted to really focus in on the connection between, you know, wellness and you know, wellness and food. So that was my specialty at the time. 
So, you know, the goal was to, you know, learn more about food, come back to Boston, and, you know, always had to say, I'll figure it out somehow. Um, but where things started to turn for me was more so at the ending of my, at the, of my program. I was ready to go back to Boston. I decided to volunteer to um, help with a cooking class at Whole Foods with another chef. Um, and at that time, she was a personal chef to this family. And we got to know each other, and I, you know, told her my experience at, you know, culinary school. She wasn't, in, you know, she didn't go through a culinary program at that point. But later on, she wanted to actually go to the culinary school I went to, and she had asked me to actually, you know, fill in for her for this client. So I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I was nervous at the point, and that's kind of how I got my segue into the personal, you know, chefing world. So just being open to that opportunity. And that led me to actually moving to Florida to be a private chef with this family. So do you still work for that client in Florida? So so with this one particular client, they, you know, unfortunately had cancer. So it was, you know, it wasn't going to last forever. So unfortunately she had passed away because I had to move back home to New York City. And at that point, kind of, I went back into the restaurant world to, to hold my skills once again. And then personal chef and kind of took a back burner. So talk a little bit about what is it that we don't know about being a private chef or what are the misconceptions out there about being a private chef that maybe a lot of people have or that you run into on a consistent basis? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's not all about the food. I, You know, always looking back at everything is. You know, people think you have to make, or see, fancy la-la food all the time for your clients. A lot of the clients that I actually deal with just want a great home-cooked meal and for it to be done on time, just for you to be kind of there in their homes but not there. You know, you have to really have that balance in somebody's private, you know, household. Like, you're there with their family, you're there with their dogs, you're there with their kids. So you have to be more of a fit culinary-wise and personality-wise. So, you know, most, you know, you hear most programs are talking about, you know, target markets and who you should look for. And that's why when you talk about being a personal and private chef, it really is personal because it's you're marketing yourself. And to really find that fit if you need your client. It's not just, like I say, it's not just about food and like, oh, look, it's a pretty plate of, you know, food that I can make. But also are your assets to the family as well, or to that individual. Can you manage their their lifestyle? Because sometimes you may not even meet them. You may be talking to their assistant. So it's understanding your personality, what can you personally offer and vice versa to your client. Are you somebody who needs, you know, direction, you know, for everything? Then somebody who you may never speak to may not be the, you know, ideal client for you to work with. So it's really figuring out, you know, that target, you know, that target family or person that you work, you know, best with. Also getting over, you know, can people really afford to pay me? You know, but it's being comfortable, you know, with that. It's, you know, understanding the value that you bring to the table. You know, it's a lot of it is, especially when you start off in the beginning, is knowing and understanding your worth and your pricing. And I think once you are comfortable with that, you're able to own your business because a lot of questions that, we, that even I had in the beginning is how do I price this? What am I offering? 
and that led to a lot of apprehension of really jumping out there and really promoting, you know, what I do. You know, it's sometimes you're lucky enough somebody will offer you an opportunity, but then yet you're not sure or confident enough on your pricing or the process you're going to take your client through from beginning to end. How do you accept your, you know, payment? What does this service, you know, and um, what does this service encounter? And, you know, contracts and following up. So it's a whole process you have to take somebody through and to really establish that. In the beginning, when you're first starting out, you know, it takes a couple of hiccups and, you know, if you have clients that are understanding, you know, you grow with, with them. So, I mean, now in this stage in my business, I'm more confident and comfortable with understanding a scenario or somebody is making a request, you know, for a meal or for, you know, a retreat, I know what goes into it. So I'm able to quote them something that I'm comfortable with and hopefully they're comfortable with as well. So I'm curious, and I think probably a lot of people out there who are listening to this, especially those who want to get into this business, how do you find your clients? Are you a part of uh, an association or do you buy leads or is it just word of mouth? How is it that you actually find clients? How do people come to hire you for your services? Well, for me, um, very active in my alumni's Facebook page, um, and there's a lot of postings, a lot of comments and questions about the you know industry, how to price certain things. Also, just networking with other fellow chefs that are in the New York City area. Very fortunate that we that the city does have an abundance of chefs, and not to see it as a point of competition, but how can we support each other? You know, times you may have an event that you as an individual can't you know. Um, take on a loan, you may, you know, have somebody else come along with you. So it's always good to have support of other, you know, fellow chefs. Um, Word of mouth is definitely, for me, the biggest um, referrals is probably the biggest um, source of jobs. You do something great, you know, people will will refer you. You can offer an incentive for people to refer you as well. Um, Social media, you know, is for me the portfolio piece of things that I've done for other people and also to be able to tell that story of what I've done and what other people, you know, what the scenario may be so people can connect. And I think that's a, you know, big piece that other people are able to see themselves in your client. Like, oh, that's me. I'm the one, you know, have, you know, I have two kids and I can't, you know, make a meal for myself or my or my family in time. I can see, you know, they can see that, oh, look, such a great, you know, birthday party or a great, you know, retreat that was had. So, to really just show that and to tell that story so people can connect, you know, with you. And also having a great, you know, website that outlines your services as well, what does this entail. So it makes everything kind of cut and, you know, cut and dry, like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm interested in this service. You know, are you available, you know, during that time? And so I would definitely say to have a network of different chefs or, you know, if um, different personal chef associations, either culinary associations, meetups, groups. Um, so you're able to network with others. You never know who you're going to meet volunteering for different um, events as well, or even just promoting yourself by hosting maybe a free, you know, workshop on something that you know how to do very well. So the more people that you're in front of and able to connect with, the likelihood of getting more clients. You know, it's funny because for years – 
I was that guy who just kind of put my head down and I hung out my operation and I made sure it was running right and just wasn't out there really promoting myself and I wasn't out there networking and I wasn't out there connecting with other people. And those are all very important things, especially when you find yourself looking for a job or when you find yourself maybe wanting to start a new venture, you have to have other people involved and there's got to be a sense of network and community that you have to actually go out and build. I mean, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to work the 10, 12, 14 hour days and then try to go out and be social. I I get that. But it's also very important um, to kind of stay afloat in this world nowadays because we never know what's going to happen. If we're going to get fired or if we're going to get laid off or what's going to happen, it's important to stay on top of our game and be a part of associations and always be networking with our peers. So what advice do you give to people who maybe want to get into this side of the business or become a private chef? To don't be afraid to do it, to probably either find somebody that they can shadow, either from the business at most. For me, I think most people are comfortable with the cooking aspect of the business. It's when you now have to jump over into the business part. It's different when you just make, we'll say, a plate of spaghetti, right? Now you have to understand, you know, how much to buy, quantities, how to price it. So there's that gap in between that, you know, most, you know, chefs have to, you know, overhaul. Like you said, there's a whole other area to play with. Now you have to network. Now you have to market yourself. Now you have to brand yourself. You have to know accounting. So there is, a, you know, there is that learning curve. And I, like for me, um, it came to the point where I, I hired a consultant to work with. I need to get out my own head. You know, I, so I always figure out, I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody else. I'm smart enough. I can do this. But for me, it's to keep myself accountable. If not, everybody else will come first. You know, my job will come first. Family will come first. But if I really wanted my business to come to another level, I needed to seek outside help and not to be afraid of that or just making sure that you invest in yourself. You know, anytime I invest in a consultant, I got my return back, you know, tenfold. So I would say, you know, if you're at a certain point where you're stuck, I would say look into finding a mentor or different, you know, business organizations. There are there's tons of, you know, chefs, of personal chefs out there. So it's not something new. I don't know, unheard of. So you can be mentored into, you know, to figure out how do you want your business to look. And I think that's the beautiful part about being a personal chef is that your business does not have to look like everybody else's business, but you really understand what you want it to look like and to seek mentorship. So I would say that is definitely, you know, that advice is to seek a mentor or a consultant to help, you know, round out your business. So you're actually, you have everything in place at a quicker rate instead of trying to figure it always out by yourself, which can eat a whole lot of time, you know. So the years that you're spending tinkering and toying, you can accelerate your business at a faster rate. You know, you make another really good point that I kind of want to spend a minute on because I think it's important. As chefs, we are type A personalities. We're, we're people that we're the authority figure. We're the person that is supposed to have all the answers that people come to for answers. And therefore, 
we're not supposed to ask for help. We're not supposed to ask for guidance or insight or, or assistance in any way, and that's just wrong. You know, I think the best mentors I've ever had and the best chefs that I've ever known are those that are constantly learning and constantly looking for ways to improve. And they do that by seeking the insights of others, others that they trust, others that they, you know, they know where they're coming from. They know their backgrounds and their opinions, and they, they get kind of a sense of, um, of uh, security from knowing that those people know what they're talking about. They have that respect and that trust for those people. And I think that's a skill set that we have to learn how to use or how to uh, create or manage or whatever you want to say. The skill set of being able to separate the objective from the subjective. Um, being able to take emotion out of decisions and make logical decisions that make sense for the business. Now, granted, there's always going to be emotion involved in there because we're so close to it and we're so passionate about it. And so there's going to be emotion involved. They get that. But at the same time, we have to be able to take a step back and count to 10 and take a deep breath and all those things to really be able to make the best decision possible for our business, for ourselves, for those that work with us. And I, I commend you on your ability to hire a consultant and hire someone who come in and, and give you insights and give you feedback because I, I've found that some of the most successful people in this business hire consultants, not necessarily because they don't know what they're doing, but because they want to become better at what they're doing. And, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn because most everyone out there knows that I'm con a consultant. But as a consultant, I would say the biggest advantage that I have over anyone else is just the fact that I get to see one or two or three new places every week. Now, I get to go all over the country, sometimes even all over the world to see a lot of the different operations. Guys, they're not that much different. <laughs> food is not that much different around the world and around the country. It's really not. Um, but the nice thing is, is that I get to have those experiences and see all these things. And so then automatically people are like, oh man, here comes an expert. This guy knows what he's talking about. Well, I'll tell you what I do. Here's the secret to my success when it comes to this. All I really do is I come in and I say, okay, guys, what do we need to do? Because the old saying, and I always say this to people, a prophet is not a prophet in their own land. We might have these great ideas and know exactly how to turn our operations around. And our administrators or our bosses or our GMs or whoever may not have that same thought. Or they, may, they might think, yeah, you're okay at what you're doing, but you don't quite know everything. Or you're not quite as good as you think. And... Their perception of us is not always that high, but then all of a sudden we hire the high and mighty consultants to come in and they're going to fix everything. They know everything. Please. I'm there for what? 24, 48 hours. I'm supposed to assess the situation. I'm supposed to give you recommendations. Most of the time I can do that, but I'll tell you how I do it. I do it by going to the people who live it every day and saying, okay, guys, what do we need to do? Because... You know what your struggles are. You know what you're living with. You know what needs to change. So tell me. 
And then what I'll do is just turn around and go to administration or go to the GM or go to the boss and say, hey, guess what? This is what we should do. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, absolutely, we need to do that tomorrow because a prophet's not a prophet in their own land. So one advantage to having consultants involved is more just to verify and just to validate what you already think or already know. That's what some of the best consultants do is come in, know that the strength that they have is simply by listening to the folks that live it every day and then taking those ideas, not necessarily passing them off as their own, but taking them to administration, getting what needs to be done or what decision needs to be made put through. I know that was a tangent. I know I was off on it for a minute, but I think it's important to to understand that by asking for help, it's not a sign of weakness. By asking for help, you're looking for ways to improve and it shows that you're the type of person that wants to improve. Woo! So now that I've got that out of my system, (laughs) Keisha, back to you. Let's talk. Let's talk about what we as an industry are doing right and some of the things that maybe we could do a little bit better. I think that's one um, thing that we're doing right, that we are leveraging social media very well. I love seeing different chefs display their personalities online. It's a beautiful thing. So you're able to really connect and know who you want to work with. You know, for me, when I started in this business, it was right there on the cusp of when, you know, Facebook and Instagram was really starting to, kick, you know, kick off. So it was harder to really display what you were doing. I always, you know, people never knew I I used to know how to cook. I was like, no, I never really told anybody. It was my private thing that, you know, I would just make dinner and call it a day. Now, all of a sudden, you're able to take a picture, you're able to take a video, and everybody's able to see what you're doing in real time. I think, really, that's what we're doing great. As industries, we're capitalizing on the tools that, that we have to connect to people. But I think that we're doing what we can probably do better is to show the value of what we're doing as an industry. Because I think a lot of the feedback that people get and really get stuck is is we'll get devalued. You know, people think like, oh, since cooking comes easy to you, you should offer your prices. You know, it's it's, not, it's a commodity. In the fact that, oh, I can get food at Whole Foods or I can get food at the local, you know, history chicken what we do is not that it's not that important. So I think that's really where we can probably beef it up is to understand the value that we are thinking human beings, that we do have this value that we know how as a client how you think where you how you move when you're coming home, like we know you probably better than you know yourself. And that sometimes doesn't come out when you just take a picture of a you know, plate of spaghetti. But what it took to get that there, what, you know, lengths and bounds that, you know, we have to jump through to get a job done. Awesome. Great insights. And, and I agree. I think we're doing, we're doing a good job of showcasing our work and we don't always, we don't always value it as much as we should, or we don't help others see the value in it as much as we should. Well, we've come to the end of the line. So, Keisha, if somebody wants to reach out to you and pick your brain a little bit or ask some questions, is that something you're open to? 
Always. <laughs> My um, email address is K-O-G-A-L-D as in Dennis, E-Z at thegourmetdiva.com and also on Instagram as Gourmet Diva. Keisha, thank you so much for your time today. You are awesome. You've been a huge asset. I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. And uh, we look forward to possibly having you on in the future and finding out what you're up to. Great. Thank you for having me today. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.